Ladies, gentlemen, NBs, welcome back. This is the Eat, Sleep, Elite, Repeat podcast, your weekly AEW review and breakdown. I am the Duke of Derps, also known as the Digital Phantom, the Digital Duke, whatever you want to call me. Actually, most of the people probably just know me as Duke nowadays just because of playing on Call of Duty and I just have my name as Duke mm-hmm. on there. But um, yeah, anyway. Um, we, we have like, uh, kind of a different episode this week, like, because, uh, okay. So we decided to do some like crazy shit this week and do like a lot of shows because it was like holidays time and like, we, we got a little behind on some of the stuff we were going to cover. So we were like, fuck it. We'll just, let's just make it happen. And so we're having like a crazy week this week. Um, speaking of which I'll just, I'll talk about this right away. We do have an awards show that's going to be coming out tomorrow. Well, tomorrow as your, as when this is uploaded, I don't know when this will actually be up for everybody, but, um, you know, uh, when it, what you know, tomorrow on Wednesday, as we're recording this, will be uh, when the awards show goes out. So if you haven't already, you know, checked that out, make sure you go check that out as well. Um, and if you want to see the news that we covered this week, you can go back and listen to that on the uh, World's End pre-show. We just covered it there because it was the first time we had gotten back to record since before the holidays. So we just covered it there because there was a lot of stuff to talk about. So. And there wasn't as much content like when we do those and we've done that before and it doesn't matter if we just do like a pre-show or a post-show like sometimes they only go like 20, 30, 40 minutes like so we just added a little more content to that to make it more like a full show. A little more juice. Give it a little bit more sauce. Exactly. Um, We're also going to deep dive into the Continental Classic because as much as we've talked about it and enjoyed it, we haven't really talked about the tournament itself that much just because we were kind of caught up in it week to week. It was it's just so incredible to watch that it was it was hard to analyze from like a critical perspective. I think it'll be interesting to actually go into it and, and talk about what matches we really liked a lot. I think we'll have some variants because we like different kinds of matches, um, but we could also have some similarities because um, there were just some standout matches. Uh, we also are doing something we, we haven't done in a little while, which is we're doing a little fantasy book of a women's Continental Classic tournament. A lot of Continental, this is like the Continental Classic special almost a little bit. Um, the special and- edition. Yeah, and uh, you know the uh, and then of course our regular Ring of Honor Dynamite and Rampage review. No collision this week um, because they didn't want to run it against the pay per view, obviously, because that would just been stupid. Um, so, but um, either way, um, we'll get into the rest of the show. But before we get into all that stuff, you know, um, I, I believe um, I have the format right. We're gonna do our favorites first, like usually, right? Yep. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, before we do that, though. Uh, I want to go ahead and make sure you guys uh, hit the follow and or you know subscribe button, whichever button it is on whatever podcast platform you're li- listening to this on. And you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Bane Duke, B-A-N-E-D-U-K-E on Twitter. And Charlie is at O Charlie with an X instead of an A. You can also follow the podcast itself at Eat Sleep Elite. We usually get a lot of like good you know feedback on there and people will, you know, um, especially with awards show coming up, make sure you guys give us like your end of the year awards when you when you hear what the categories are and just give us what you think if you, if you disagree with what we, we have to say and stuff like that but that being said uh charlie let's get into favorites and uh, i have it i have it on i have, I have the honors this week so yep. we'll just get right into it and uh charlie <laughs> leave it to fucking eddie kingston and brian danielson to have a potential match of the year contender right before eddie goes out and has another one in like the same two-week period you know what i mean like i it's, know it's like Eddie, by the way, might have the most out of this entire tournament, by the way, because he was, like, killing it with Claudio, too, and, like, everybody else. Like, he was just... We gotta we gotta give Eddie Kingston his props for this, because obviously he deserved to win the Triple Crown, right? But it's... 
when you go back and you look at this, I'm sure when we dive into the actual tournament matches, maybe that's something we'll discover a little bit more is just how integral he was to this tournament. But when you go back to the beginning of it, I mean, he put everything on the line, literally. He, he worked his entire career to win a title in Japan and to win a world title in general. And he put it all on the line because he wanted to be the first owner of the modern American Triple Crown. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's going to be a legendary wrestling story no matter what happens with the Continental Classic in the future. You know, like, at least I think so. But let's talk about this match a little bit because it was really good. Um, you know what's cool about this match, Charlie? When I was watching it, I was thinking about this. Because Brian was obviously the favorite going into this match, and he has like the mental advantage on Eddie because of just that's the you know uh, established lore between the two of them is that he just talks all the shit and does like grabs the sign that says he's a bum and stuff like that and calls Eddie a bum like all a CM Punk you know what I mean and mm-hmm. still has his number you know what I mean like um uh, it, but it feels like in this match because Brian needed to win this match to like secure his spot in the finals, I believe, right? Because it was down to the draw with uh, Claudio. The ends up getting uh, uh, in on right because of that, right? Um, yes, because that's the only reason Eddie could sweep in was because of that it was a draw. So like you know, I, I was trying to remember. I was like, wait, uh, so much information. That's why this is gonna be good to dive into because there's a lot of stuff that's hard to track week to week without. Being like, you know, Kevin Kelly, you know, like, um, who was like a nerd. Having it all. (laughs) Loves loves all that fucking shit. I mean, I love it too, but I just, it's hard to keep all the information straight sometimes. Um, anyway, but like, it just felt like Brian had everything to lose in this match and Eddie had nothing to lose. And that's why Eddie ends up winning this match, in my opinion. Um, because even though Brian has the mental and maybe even the experience advantage, you know, because of how many championships he's won, like, I don't know, something about how much Eddie just wanted it in this tournament. You know what I mean? I just, I love the way they set this up because, you know, Brian was really laying it on thick throughout this entire match, just talking so much to Eddie, you know? And, um, like, I, I just gotta, I, I'm glad that we're doing like a bit of a deep dive this week because even in my notes as we was talking about during this match, we need to give Tony Khan credit for just looking at an incredible tournament. Like, yeah, like unbelievable stuff. Um, they were hitting each other really hard, you know. Oh, this okay. I'll, this is how I end this uh, this segment talking about this match before I throw it over to you. Uh, first of all, Eddie wins with the Kawada bomb, which I love. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I, I wrote in my notes, Dax may have like the lumber mill because he's chopping the wood so much, right? But uh, I think in this match, Eddie and Brian opened up the butcher shop because they were both so red chested at the end of this match. God damn, dude, they were killing each other. So. What are your thoughts on this match, Charlie? The Continental Classic Blue League Final between Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson. Blue League Final. I think this was the uh, probably the perfect um, matchup on paper out of the Blue League Final. I, I think it made the most sense throughout the tournament. And knowing what we know now, I, I was really pitching heavy. You know, I, I wanted Andrade in the final, but knowing what we know there now. There was part of me that wanted that too. Yeah, could have made that happen. Exactly. But, uh, you know, knowing that he's not going to be there anymore, the idea of him taking third, I think, is a safe pick for everyone involved. Is still, you know. And, and yeah, I the match, dude, just so fucking good. So hard-hitting. They did it twice this tournament, and both times it was incredible. Different result each time, right? Um, We had a friend of ours in the arena. Uh, he's been on the show before. and. He was, he, as soon as this match happened, he messaged me. He said, I've never heard chops that loud in my life. They echoed. And I was like, yeah, 
I could see it, dude. <laughs> like, like that. I imagine when these two guys get together live, it's probably so much fucking fun, you know. And and you can feel that energy from the crowd. And I I think that's uh something remarkable from the both of them. Um, Eddie Kingston pinned Danielson clean, man. Like it's that simple. And he he's on a run of his career. Eddie Kingston is I. Eddie Kingston he, is him. He's him. He's elevating himself. He's elevating AEW. Because not only is Eddie Kingston really, he's like a fucking throwback worker in the ring, to be honest. Like, they don't, you don't find guys like Eddie Kingston on the fucking, growing on trees anymore. Like, he just, I, I don't even know, man. But the fact that he can talk and he can cut a promo on Sour Patch Kids on being the elite. And it's better promos than some people have cut in their entire career. It makes you question certain things. <laughs> like, it's fucking nuts. Um, yeah, needless to say, they, they, the way that they portrayed this match and something I loved is if Eddie Kingston, you know, if he wants to win this tournament, he's going to have to go fucking earn it. And I think that was, uh, that was the way that this match felt the entire time. It, it felt like Eddie was trying to defeat the final boss again. You know, before he had to defeat the final boss in Long Island, right? So it was it was a really well structured match, and um, I I loved it. You know, this is a weird dynamite because I think all in all we had four matches, right? Yet yet it didn't feel like that because of how good the Continental Classic matches were, which you guys can probably imagine, considering we just have Dynamite and Rampage this week. There's pretty much only one other obvious match for my favorite, which is the triple threat. Uh, we have John Moxley defeating Swerve Strickland and Switchblade Jay White. Now, on paper, can you pick a better three for the final? No. These guys are all future slash former world champions. Like, these guys are going to be in AEW's, you know, book of fame when it's all said and done. Right? You know, 50 years from now, we're talking about, yeah, oh... John Moxley, the the ace, you know, and Jay White and Swerve are in, in the future, like genuinely, even though like the, they're the future main adventures of the company. They're that second phase, if you will. So seeing them go in this spot with Moxley, yet sometimes you can't beat the ace, right? Uh, there was a lot of trying to outsmart each other, right? And I think that was kind of the story I felt of this match with these are three guys that they know they can straight up beat you. But what happens when you stick three guys that know that against each other? Well, then it becomes a chess match, essentially, right? And it it became all about who can try and use the no no DQ bullshit, you know, who can uh, who can kind of sneak a victory, if you will, right? So swerve. God. Swerve has a presence that's developed over this past year. Like, he's always had it, and in our awards show last year, we covered, we had a unanimous favorite moment, right? So it was like, it, it was pretty cool, Um, and it had to do with Swerve, and a big part of Swerve being part of that moment is because of how good he is at making other people look like stars, as well as himself. But, um... Yeah, I I think all in all, it just it worked really well as uh 
John Moxley ended up getting the pin on Jay White. And I mean, Jay White had to go through hell to take that pin. So, you know, and I think in a minute when we're really doing a deep dive on this tournament, you're, people are going to realize no one gets hurt in this tournament. You're facing the best of the best. And yeah. So any other thoughts you had on this match? And um, I, I mean, yeah, my was, God, this is this is probably the top of our company this year. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and to be honest with you, it's like the three people that I think stepped up the most this year when there was people that needed to step up. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, obviously, John Moxley is always at the top ever since he he did that stuff with the championship last year. But Bullet Club Gold was now. Collision. Yes, like thousand percent. And Swerve Strickland uh, cemented himself as a main event star in AEW this year. Um, so I hundred percent agree on that. They gave this match like thirty minutes to open the show. You know what I mean? Like. That that tells you that they have complete faith in all three guys, and that they yeah. knew that they could do that with this no DQ match. And they didn't even I like they didn't lean on those stipulation stuff too much. They used it obviously, but they didn't abuse it. Like you can make it like you could have like ruined this tournament by just over making this match. You know what I mean? Like um, they did just about as much as you would expect in a random AEW no DQ match. You know what I mean? Like um, which was smart. I I, I really like this match. Um, I I'm. I'm really excited to talk more about this tournament because uh, I don't know. It just I feel like it's going to be the thing that is the most. I feel like out of all the crazy stuff that AEW did this year, besides like eighty thousand people in an arena, which is insane. Like I think this is one of the things that's going to stand out from this year when people look back on this year in AEW history. They're going to be like, "Fuck, the Continental Classic was so insane." Yeah. Let's just jump right into it. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. So instead of our news this week like you kind of alluded to at the top, it's going to be all Continental Classic. So, I all think... All Continental the, Classic all the time. All the time. The C2. So, let's, uh, let's, let's start with... Let's get the standings and the stats to kind of break down the story of the matches for us. And we're going to pick uh, some of our favorite matches from the tournament, of course. So, in the Blue League, we had our one and only draw, where Brian Danielson ended up uh, topping the league in points at 10. And then Eddie Kingston was ninth, and so was Andrade. Now, Eddie Kingston made the playoff over Andrade because, well, he beat him in the head-to-head. That simple. It's uh, Claudio had seven, Brody King six, Daniel Garcia three. So no one got skunked in the Blue League. In the Gold League, we had the three-way tie, of course. Moxley, Swerve, and White all at 12, which means they only took one L each. Roosh had six. Mark Briscoe, three. Jay Lethal, nil. So, um, Gold League looks much more top-heavy on paper, where the Blue League felt like an open fucking kingdom, pretty much, until the very end. So, it was, uh, it, it was kind of a neat decision there. And, you know, watching it play out, I gotta tell you, it did feel like that week to week. Outside of Roosh at the beginning, well, even though Roosh lost his first match. so. Right out of the gate, it kind of felt like, oh yeah, we have the big three in the gold league. Now, did I think they'd do a triple threat? No. I, I didn't I didn't know if they were going to go that route, but now that we know that's an option, I think that can factor into some future decisions. But um I guess I guess just going into the tournament, Duke, uh is this kind of where you expected our leagues to lie, more or less? Is or or were you thinking like, yeah, there's no Brody Kings winning the Blue League? It's it's an obvious playoff for him. Or is it kind of did it kind of fall the way you think? 
I'm, I'm a I little. Did, I did expect him to potentially be in the finals of the Blue League. Um, I thought that would have made sense, but then he decided to go. I kind of did too. With him. Yeah, especially the story they ended up telling with threats. him and Daniel Garcia. I think ended up working out better. But I, I, I did, I did in my head originally think, especially when he was up like two or three matches in a row, I was like, oh, how are we going to stop this guy? You know what I mean? Like, um, yep. but, started out two and zero oh and lost the last three. Yeah. Um. So we anyway, choked. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and that'll probably play into stuff with the House of Black, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, when I was going into it, I was expecting the match quality of every week to just go up, and it did. Um, so I'm actually kind of excited to get back to like a more normal dynamite match schedule wise, because we're going to actually like be able to like have some of these normal shows again where we can have longer like promo segments with people and stuff like that. Obviously, we don't have Max, but you know, Christian Cage is obviously good at doing that and various other people in Don Callis when he's not being weird, like he is right now can actually do those, you know, like, like, I don't know. Um, but like this tournament, I just feel like, you know what the best part of this tournament was? I'll just say they kept, they kept t- talking about it every week. So we did get a little bit old hearing them say this on commentary, but the no interference, man, like it doesn't happen as much as it does yeah. in WWE and, and AEW, but, it happens enough that you know it's a good possibility that it's going to happen every match. You know what I mean? Like, well, see, age old so, tactic of you protect your guy who loses. Essentially, that's that's yes. the mindset, and you know it's kind of nice. Nobody when you feels don't like they lost anything from this tournament, like you were saying, which is what I think is so amazing about it. That was my only concern was that, like, I mean, I don't know what Jay Lethal does out of this. Dude, literally, like, won nothing. You know, like I, he he goes zero and five. But if he I goes into Ring of Honor now and skyrockets toward that uh, next opportunity at the title and is, is uh, Eddie's first contender, great decision. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I would almost like that story to be told over like the next couple of months instead of like all at once in Ring of Honor. That way we can have something for TV. Because I think Ring of Honor on Honor Club could use something like that. You know, like this is what I love. Okay, this is what I was actually expecting, Charlie. When you asked me that question, is what are we going to be able to spin out of in Ring of Honor, in the New Japan stuff? And how are we going to be able to spin this out into stories? It's like, what's Eddie going to do now elsewhere? You know what I mean? Like, with yeah. that title. Like, oh, it's just, we're in such an interesting spot right now. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Kingston lost to Brody King. Yeah. Does that I, mean he gets I, a shot? I'll, like, I'll give I, you an angle. That would be a fun angle. Kingston's oh, yeah. two L's this tournament were Danielson and King. I, I think if Danielson was going to do some Ring of Honor stuff, it would have already happened. So, but th- so that leads me to think the only other option there is Brody King. That's a yeah. fun match. Like Brody King can, it's he already does Collision. That's where they film it. So there you go. If he wants more solo dolo action, you know. Um. So there's something else I kind of wanted to do is, like you just said, certain people getting certain victories, are we going to see it play out um, in the future, right? We have until, I don't know the exact date, but it's like the first week of March for our fucking for next pay-per-view. We got time to let some of these stories play out. Let them cook. Let them cook. So I'm going to skip Andrade because as we covered the news, it sounds like Andrade's gone. Uh, it sounds like he's already back in WWE and Tony Khan confirmed it. In the media scrum, he actually brought it up himself, said Andrade, you know, they had talks, his contract ran out, he did not resign, and he, you know, gave him a nice uh, kiss on the way out, so we'll see where that goes. But Claudio Casignoli, 
He defeats Andrade. He defeats Daniel Garcia. Brilliantly draws Brian Danielson. The BCC cannot defeat each other. Loses to Brody King and loses to Eddie Kingston. I think in that mix, you and I will both agree. The stuff with fucking Eddie Kingston, having all those layers played out like they did, it really just, it, it had an element to this tournament that I think, uh, I, I, my mind's racing right now. But uh, that match, as well as, and I wanted to highlight this, something they did was they were doing these social media promos. And we highlighted a couple of them on the show. We can't play audio. But there, there was Danielson promos, a couple Daniel Garcia promos, Eddie Kingston, you name it. They would do these backstage post-match promos, right? Yep. They were fucking incredible. And uh, Tony even alluded to it at the media scrum. That worked. Which, that gives me hope. I like post-match interviews. That's when you get people at the rawest. I mean, they're fucking, they're, they're out of breath. You know, they just went through hell. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Claudio overall. How about this? We'll go name by name, right? And you want to kind of give like a, like a bit of a grade for each guy's tournament performance beyond just the win-loss ratio? I think that'll sure. be kind of fun. So Claudio, with those matches, he goes two and two and one. I think Claudio had a solid a solid B this tournament, and he had multiple stories. Yeah, so I'm gonna go Claudio with a solid B. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Brian Danielson puts over Andrade. He has a draw to Claudio, and then he beats Daniel Garcia. Brody King, Eddie Kingston loses to Eddie Kingston in the tournament final or in the tournament playoff. I mean, come on. How awesome was Danielson this tournament? Yeah, it's, it's at least an A for me. I don't know. Like, you know uh, definitely. Like, it's, I think with him, it's without a shadow of a doubt an A. And he just. He's just under an A plus. If he, if he makes it, if he makes it to the final he, against Moxley, he's, he's an A. He's an A plus, but he's just, he's got to sit on the A, you know? Because he 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 lost hey he lost he lost to the bum he lost my God Daniel Garcia loses to Andrade all because he tried to fucking he he tried to hit that one extra move man why why is he trying to pile drive Andrade he loses to Claudio he didn't trust himself he loses to Danielson he trusted himself and he still lost he loses to Eddie Kingston. Good match. And he finally beats the big bad Brody King to knock King out of the tournament. Because King would have taken Kingston's spot had he won that match. This might be spicy, but I think he also gets an A because he did, he, he did like the, the, some of those social media promos you were talking about. Oh, like, yeah. There was one where he talked about uh, losing and not being able to tell, uh, was it, is it his niece or something like that? I think so. Um, one of his family members, anyway, um, is always asking why he never wins. And, you know, um, it was just a really emotional promo. And then leading into that, I think he did such a great job of telling the story that he was trying to tell in this, which was something's got to give with, with him right now. And it took him admitting we, we again, it's all it's all subtext right now, but 
he's almost a wrestler again, right? We're we're almost yep. there. You know what I mean? Um, this was the tournament that was going to turn him back to that way, and I think uh, I think for this tournament, after the kind of the weird limbo state he was in the last like year with Jericho Appreciation Society, like. He, he needed this, you know what I mean, for sure. So I, I, he gets an A from me, dog. I don't know. Like, I, I think you made some compelling points. He gets an A from me too because the way they had multiple stories play out with him, and I was into all of them. And you could spin and, it out multiple ways from here. He could have his mojo back, or he could still have to find it. Like you could do whatever you want with this now. We could see that idea with him and Danielson of of reuniting the group. You know. Let's let's have this fucking a real a real father and son, unlike those fakes Cage and Wayne. You know, give me that match. Ooh, Brody King loses to Andrade, beats Claudio, loses to Danielson, loses to Daniel Garcia, beats Eddie Kingston. He beats some big men, Claudio and Eddie. Those are no joke wins. Started out two and zero, like we said. Loses the last three. He choked. I think Brody, I think he had a solid tournament. Unfortunately, I don't know if he pushed his needle any forward, if you will, right, in terms of his stock. Uh, That being said, I'm going to give him a solid grade. I'm going to give him the C grade. He might be the only one that gets it, but uh, uh, in the Blue League, I should say. But I think he had just a good enough tournament where we weren't looking down upon his matches. But outside of his Eddie Kingston match, all the other ones, I think were just fine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, which fair. you can sense a trend there. <laughs> uh, is that kind of where you're at with Brody? Yeah, no, I don't think we're going to disagree on any of these grades we give because, like, it's it's so subjective anyway. Like, I could go, I could go and create some like out of my ass argument about why I think he's. Oh, I actually think he could be a B or something like that. Like, you know, it's what the arguing against that. I mean. If if I really think about it, he lost the important matches against the bigger opponents that were going to be harder to beat. If you really look at it, you all, he had, I mean? to, all like, he had to do is de- defeat winless Daniel Garcia to make the semifinal, and he didn't. Literally, if you think about that, that's you know he got cheesed. Yep, but the the potential Eddie Kingston storyline there does intrigue me. So, yeah. Speaking of Eddie true. Kingston, he defeats Andrade. He defeats Claudio. Loses to Danielson. Defeats Daniel Garcia, loses to Brody King, defeats Brian Danielson, defeats John Moxley. Seven match Eddie. He had, without a shadow of a doubt, the best tournament of everyone. If if there is a grade beyond A, it's A plus, right? That's Eddie. Um, tournament MVP. If we are giving out awards, and it's not just because he won it, but genuinely. He had the best tournament. He had well, the best I, matches I think with if everyone. If he didn't have that best tournament performance, his win would feel invalidated or almost like it would be cheap. You know what I mean? Like we, we've seen yeah, it wouldn't. Like it wouldn't before. feel as great as it does. Why bitch about the stupid amount of like uh, Ring of Honor like television title tournaments we've had? Because it devalues the Ring of Honor television title tournaments because it just you have too many of them and everyone's like always winning them. It's like okay, fine, yeah. Truly special stuff out of out of Edward. Lord Ed. Edward. Lord Ed. Edard Kingston. Uh, let's jump to the Gold League where we had Mark Briscoe, whose only victory was over Jay Lethal. Um, I, I think the two guys in the Gold League that never put up victories, essentially, until the end, right? 
they still had a good tournament in terms of match quality. So, that being said, I am going to give Briscoe a B. Because I think he had some really... I don't know, man. Between his Moxley and Strickland match, they were so fucking good that I just, I can't help but... He kind of he kind of gassed out toward the end of the tournament a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which... I mean, you know, with with the killers that he's in there with, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, not that he can't keep up, but it's just like, he's even said it himself. It's his rookie, rookie year in pro wrestling as a singles wrestler. So he's like, still figuring it out, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and Jay Lethal, I think, has been in a state of limbo for a while now, where like, even though he's a good wrestler, and we all could agree that he can have pretty much a good match with just about anybody, you know? He just doesn't have that thing that makes people want to keep watching his matches, you know? Seems to be his, his uh, main AEW opponent, just Orange Cassidy, it feels like. That's just- yeah, which is always a good match because they're both two great wrestlers and Orange Cassidy can tell a story with just about anybody, you know. But, like, I don't know. I think this tournament will help Jay Lethal in the long run because it's like it's the same thing as Daniel Garcia. You can spin his story out as many ways as you want to because he lost every match. That's something that's got to give there. And you know what I honestly think that it is? I don't I don't think they're gonna go for this because they haven't so far, but if I were if I'm Jay Lethal, I'm pitching, all right, break me off from Jim Jarrett and let's have a big blow off pay per view match between me and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. That could work. I, I think people would be into that. And you could have Most- Sanjay turn on him, you know what I mean? Like um, Yeah. You could do some good stuff there because we've seen Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal do good. I'm story surprised they didn't lean more years. into the Sanjay kind of trying to trying to hype him up. They did once that I can remember in a back. I think they wanted thing, him to be on his own for this, which I thought, was weird because yeah. he didn't really. You know what? I think that could have been the Matt Menard a little bit of a, 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 a minus, not like a minus on the grade, but like for one thing. I don't think like, any of his promos really like maybe really like. It, the only one was the Jay White one because they that yeah. I, that was a fun one that they played the Battle into. Battle of Jays, yeah, that was a fun one that they played into. But yeah, Jay Lethal gets the C for me as well, just like Brody King. I think they're the they're the middle of the pack in their groups, like the you know the solid, if you will. Yeah, dependable. Yeah, John Moxley defeats Mark Briscoe, defeats Jay Lethal, defeats Roosh, defeats Swerve, and loses to Jay White. He uh, he beats he wins the triple threat and he loses to Eddie. John Moxley gets an A this tournament. Awesome fucking stuff. Each match felt different. John Moxley did not bleed this tournament. How about that? Yeah, huh? yeah well, people people won't remember that. They'll be like, he bleeds every match though. Yeah, seven matches in a row didn't bleed. Didn't even bleed against Eddie. That was surprising to me. Yeah, but, uh, uh, people would have forgiven it on the pay per view. You know what I mean? Right. You same with me on Moxley? Yeah, Solid. Moxley is like yeah. always great, but like this tournament, he was another one of the. Yeah, it's another. We, I love that like the last couple of years that we've been covering AEW now that we can look. We, we're literally watching Mox just make wrestling history like literally every year, and it's just like he's going to continue doing that, and everyone's just going to continue to underrate him, and it's just like I, I it's amazing. Like we understand how good he is, and I hope that our audience does as well because how much we glaze him, you know, but. John Moxley is one of the best wrestlers in the world. There's a reason why Claudio and Brian and Wheeler are associated with him at all because he's he's on that level, you know. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Roosh defeats Mark Briscoe. This is an interesting Jay, one. Defeats Jay Lethal in four minutes, 30 seconds. Loses to Moxley. Loses to Strickland. Loses to Jay White. Can I say, can I, can I, can I hit you with this? And I think this would probably also apply to Jay White, even though I think Jay White had some great matches. I think I expected more from both of them. Not that they didn't really super deliver. But, like, I don't know. I just never felt like I there was a match for either of them that I was like, holy shit, they are going to win this thing. Like, And I think it's because – a big reason for Roosh is because if we were – we don't usually pick, like, downer awards. But if we were, I think the biggest, most disappointing match was Roosh and Moxley. And on paper, that, I, that sounds like a bloodbath. And it not does. If you have bl- bl- actual blood in it, but like yet that night, it like, got overshined by the other two matches. Yeah, it wasn't the best match on that show. It was a good match, but it wasn't the best one on that show. And so it was like, okay, like that I was Moxley's the nature worst of this tournament. Sure. It's like is every match on the G one actually like not good? No, it's like they probably are also good, but like you just it's comparing it to like when Okada faces you know Tanahashi or something like that, which. Like, but when they were in their prime, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. like, it's like, okay, yeah, of course, compared to those two, it's gonna, it's not, you, you're, you're not gonna get very far, but it's like, I don't know. I, 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 I think specifically Roosh, I expected a lot more from. Uh, Jay White is always good, but I do think I could, I could say that about him as well. Yeah. I, uh, hard agree. And then Swerve Strickland, dude. He made more money oh, this tournament. Fucking, can we give him an S? Can we kick him above yeah. A? Yeah. yeah. He def- definitely gets can, the A. Can we say, like, if, if it wasn't going to be Eddie, he gets the swerve tier. <laughs> like, yeah, the swerve tier. Yeah. Um, he defeats Briscoe, lethal, loses to Moxley, defeats who, Rush, and Jay. If White. we're talking who I thought was going to win the tournament, I, I thought Swerve was winning for a long time. Like, and then I, I started to see the Eddie story developing a little bit, and I was like, okay. Um, you could have still had Swerve be in the final, I thought, in my head. It, John Moxley makes sense. Again, when, looking on it now in fullness, it makes a lot more sense the way they told it. But if Swerve had been in there, and I don't think, again, I don't think Swerve would have lost anything losing to Eddie. You know what I mean? Like, so, but maybe the choice was to not do that so that he can go after the world title now, which might be a smart move. Yeah. And God, what a, what a fucking tournament for Swerve. Every single time he came out, it the energy in the building shifts, no matter where they are. And uh, they need to, if if they weren't going to catapult him into winning this tournament and, you know, being the first champion, we need to, you know, do the right thing. And now, now move forward with him and Joe. Because that's, that's got to be, that's your money. So let's, let's hope that's the revolution match. Jay White. Oh my God. Only loss was Strickland. Dude. Jay White is the definition to me of he was he was hurting before this tournament and not with us no 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 not duke and i he was hurting with the internet wrestling fans if you will right in the sense of people really had this belief that jay white oh my god he's fucking done he's chalked you know he just he just got his ass whooped by fucking mjf there's no recovering juice is gone right Jay White enters this tournament. He doesn't need any fucking help. He's going to go out there and have damn near the match of the night with every single person. Jay White did not have a single stinker. And I'm confident in saying that. Jay White and Swerve Strickland, neither of them did. And for me, that's why they both get the A's. 
and Jay White, of course, lost in the uh, triple threat that we just talked about earlier. So, yeah, really. O- overall, when you when you break down each person's performance, everyone did well this tournament, and everyone's stock, for the most part, is up. Like like we were saying, uh, you can make the exception for Jay Lethal and Brody King. Maybe their stock hasn't moved at all, but outside of that, I think. Uh, the tournament was an overwhelming success, and we look forward to the second one. And I, I saved this tweet I wanted to, I wanted to send you. Um, so someone was uh, fantasy booking the Continental Classic for next year, right? Okay. They said, all right, in the Blue League final, Drew Galloway versus Brian Danielson. Great match with such a great contrast of styles. Brian running straight into the Claymore for the end. Drew advances to World's End to face Will Ospreay, who just beat Orange Cassidy in the C2 Gold League final. <laughs> I mean, that that sounds amazing. So awesome. You know that's why just... that's perfect, too? Because they did a lot of this with this tournament. We had a bunch of rematches that we hadn't had in forever, you know, like Eddie versus Claudio had been pretty recently because they had just the two titles thing. But I mean, like, other than that, like, we had, like, met rematches from previous matches, and that would be one that we haven't seen since, what, Forbidden Door 1? Like, uh. Dude, Will Ospreay is going to be a full-time wrestler this year. I know, he's going to be in the Continental Classic next year. He's probably going to be in the Owen Hart tournament, you know what I mean? Like, Dude, I'm still sticking to it. Bold, no, it's not even bold, I've said it 18 times. Will Ospreay, Swerve Strickland, AW World Championship, Wembley. Give me what I want! Do it. Book it, TK. Last little bit of Continental Classic today. We've, uh, We've each made some leagues. For a women's continental classic. So. Which let me just say off the bat. I would love. If they did a women's continental classic. Yeah I would, there, I'd be down for it. There are certain people that would absolutely fucking hate Here's it. what you could do. Because like. But, and this would make a lot of sense. Because then you could like space these tournaments out. So they're not like. as You could even call it other. something different. That's true. You know, but like you could have like this tournament at the beginning. Or middle part of the year. Wherever there's not time. You know. After you don't know it hard or whatever. Right. And wherever it can slot into, and then you just do this at the end of the year, and you have you have two parts of the year, and you just slot your pay per views around when you're going to need these matches to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hell, imagine that in the because you know if we have like multiple months in a row where there's pay per views now, like that middle section, if you have one that's centered around like all in or all out, you could have some of the tournament matches just be on there on the pay per view. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if they would do that. You could definitely sell some pay per view seats by doing that, though. I feel like. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So I'm going to have you start us off. Hit us. Uh, let the people know what you got. How do you want to do this? Just go, are we going back and forth one at a time or are we going to just. Just just we... go all 12 in a row. It'll be easiest. Okay. Yeah. If you broke them up into leagues, just go league by league. Yeah, I do so, have two uh, different leagues here. Perfect. Um, uh Oh, wait, wait. We forgot to do our favorite matches from the Continental Classic. My bad. Okay, that's perfect because I'm actually missing one person on my list anyway. Okay. So I'll, I'll I'll do my favorite matches from the Continental Classic, all right? Um, I had to give an honorary to Swerve Strickland and Mark Briscoe. I thought that was to, the most surprising match to me. It uh it was actually so fucking good. And it, it shocked me because I didn't... I just, I guess on paper, when I see that match, it doesn't rustle my jimmies yet. In person, it really did. So, all right, number three. Jay White versus Swerve Strickland. It was uh, from Dynamite. Dude. The idea of when they got the uh, announcement of there's five minutes left, 
and they both shifted into this other gear. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> that was so fucking neat. And it mattered so much. This this match mattered so much to each of them. Swerve ending up uh, being Jay White's only Some of those beat. early tournament matches felt like they mattered so much to get off to a good foot in the tournament. Like It, it really did. Um, so that was number three. Number two, Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston from Collision. I, I, I just, again, I can't help but think about that match and what it meant at the moment and what it meant, honestly, till the end of the tournament when, you know, Brian wins that one and Eddie needs to get him back. It, it added to the next match that they had. And then my number one match is Eddie Kingston, John Moxley from World's End. Truly just a spectacle. It's uh, my favorite Eddie Kingston 1v1 match, I believe, when it's all said and done. And it's probably one of my top five John Moxley's. So, it uh, those guys have unreal chemistry together. And they played it out during the match and even after when they finally lean in and hug each other. Like, yeah, it was, we had to go to war with each other because we're brothers. So, yeah, those those are my uh, my three favorites. Um, what, what do you got for the people? The people in the back. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say right now, one of them is the tournament final. That match was just, it was unbelievable. And if you can somehow like watch that match, if you didn't get to see it what, during the pay-per-view, uh, I assume you can get the replay on the on the places they stream it at. I have no idea. Um, either way, I'm, I'm sure traditional cable and satellite, maybe you can get it there. I, I don't know if you're going to buy a new cable subscription just to watch this match, but. I definitely recommend it if you have the money. You know, it might have um, to be your first your first watch on the AW Max deal. A hundred percent. The AW Super Duper Max. No, anyway. Um, but like that match to me, I just really liked. Um, one match that I think is probably not going to get talked about as much, but I, I it, it created a little bit of controversy on the internet. They had like websites reporting it, thinking that Brian was actually injured after the Andrade match, bro. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that one deserves some talk about just because of that. It created that amount of controversy. And the match itself was pretty good, too. Um, it was, you know, a, a Brian Danielson's getting injured match, which we've seen before. You know what I mean? Like, not like him actually getting injured, but like the story is he's getting hurt by the person you know, beating the shit out of his eye. You know what I mean? He, he was the first time we had the uh, eye patch stripped off in the tournament. You know what I mean? I believe. Um, unless I'm just faded and not remembering correctly, but I think so. Um, which then became a staple for like all a couple of the different matches throughout the tournament after that. Um, and oh my god, Andrade hit this one back elbow into his fucking eye, dude. Oh my god, he was killing him. It was crazy. It really was. It was beautiful. And uh, Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli, man. It is the one. Of the, I think it is the best told story. Certainly, that Ring of Honor has had that wasn't Athena related, right? But like, I. I don't know, man. It is one of the best stories that's happened across AEW, New Japan, and uh, and Ring of Honor over the last like year and year or two in AEW. It has been great match after great match, and this tournament didn't disappoint at all either. So those were my three matches. But yeah, let's get into our women's. Yeah, well put. Yeah, yeah. Take take the lead here, man. Uh, what what you got for us? I'm so we have not revealed as as always, guys. We genuinely have not revealed our stuff to each other. So it's just as a shock of us, and it's you know. Get the, yep. get the true and, reaction. And this is, so. this is, I'm doing the thing I always do, which is this fantasy booking. So I literally can, even people that are fucking injured right now, I'm pulling into this. You know what I mean? Like, send it! Because who knows? We could be doing this a year from now anyway. So it doesn't, everyone could be uninjured or injured. I mean, people that are uninjured right, uninjured right now could be injured then. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. You know, so here's my list The Gold League, 
Okay. We have Riho, Yuka Sakazaki, Taya Valkyrie, Athena, Chris Statlander, and a returning Jamie Hayter. Ooh, I like it. I like it. And in the Blue League, we have Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, Soraya, Thunder Rosa, and Hikaru Shida. Okay. There's, there's some money there. Uh, I mean, you already know the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match. That's going to headline a show. Like, uh-huh. that's, that's the one that people want to see. Shida versus Nyla Rose has some heat. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I like that. I'll, I like making sure we got you. Okay, versus Britt Baker rematch, bro. Yeah. So, uh, hey, hey, I'm down. Anna J is your, is your, uh, is your Daniel Garcia, the Blue League this time. You know what I mean? Ooh. Okay. And I'm gonna just tell you because even though you don't you don't have to pick a winner for yours because I know we didn't do that, but I in my head I wrote it down on mine. Athena's winning this tournament, no chance. Yeah, Athena was was much needed, and yeah, okay, okay. So I'll, I'm gonna hit you with mine, and then right, we'll, uh, we'll we'll repeat them right after. All right, Gold League. My first name that came to my mind when we're doing this tournament was Thunder Rosa. She looks so so good in that that collision return. Serena Deeb. She's just back. Give, give me the professor. Yeah, if I had known she was going to come back at the pay-per-view, which I saw rumors about, I mean, I think we talked about it in a story. She said she was going to be back soon a little, a little recently, but I didn't know. And I figured we would find out that she was going to be back soon, but I didn't know it, so I, I didn't put her in. But I know, I know I said I wasn't restricting myself on that, but I, I wasn't struggling as much with names at the time. Yeah, yeah, just, just wasn't on the fuck. It wasn't on the noggin. Number three for the gold league, Mariah May. She's got the stardom in her. You know what I mean? Like, just just send it out. Number four, Willow Nightingale. Come on, it's Willow. Number five. She's she's been she's been she's been rumored at the company a little bit lately. Give me Diana Perrazzo. And number six, Yuka Sakazaki. I think Yuka has to be in this tournament. It it would only like if they started the tournament next week, Yuka's in it. Like, genuinely, she has to be in it. Blue League. I'm putting the champ, Tony Storm. We got Athena, Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, Ruby Soho. I, I really was. Soraya only made it on star power over Ruby for me. You know what I mean? If and we're and I can in. see that. I, I, I just was so stuck on Ruby making the tournament. She was she, actually she's too good not to. I kind of feel bad that I didn't have her. She was like, who I, I an built honorable mention. League. She's in the tournament. Like okay. she's the alternate sub. If, if we need somebody that gets hurt, they have to fill in. She was who I started the blue league in because I felt like I just I think Ruby is in a spot right now where she needs to show everyone who she is again for some fucked up reason because she's the Jay Lethal of the women's division. I've literally said she it before, is like yeah, and number six for the blue league. It's the biggest women's star, bro. It's Mercedes Monet. Like, you're sticking her out there. And I, and I will say this. If we're not doing Tony Storm in the tournament, I, in my head, put this tournament for the women's title when it's all said and done. So, yeah, but if we're, I, we're not going to get, like, a stardom title. and like, exa- an, Agreed. I mean, you could get stardom and impact to do it, but I just don't think they're going to. You know what I mean? Like, but if it or, was just for uh, a, a different title, I would probably sub out uh, Tony Storm for Jamie Hayter because I'd, I'd assume she'd be back and rolling by then. So. Yeah, uh, God, I mean, how big so, is the pop going to be when Jamie Hayter comes back, bro? It's going to be crazy. It's going to be out of this fucking world. Uh, but there's a couple matches on here that I just, I can't get out of my head. Mercedes versus Athena. Mercedes, Tony Storm. Dude, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho. 
You remember the fucking the thing that they were doing with each Sheeta versus Mercedes? Come on. You name it. Um Hey, you could have Serena versus Sheeta in the final of that one. And that's a that's a big like rematch, I believe, you know, like Yeah. Names that I subbed in and out. Uh, I had Britt Baker, Sky Blue, Anna Jay, Jamie Hayter, Soraya, Nyla Rose, and Riho. Just just make missing. I, I almost had Lady Frost in this tournament because of her athleticism. Yeah, she would be an interesting ad actually because you know she can carry some some matches. And she's not going to have to win that many matches. No offense to Lady Frost, but she's too you know new in the companies. You know, yeah, like, yeah. But if this were to be for the women's championship, I got Mercedes winning it. It just it makes the most sense. You can let her and. Uh, I guess you, you mean would Mercedes. Say that would be money. <laughs> yeah, hey, give me Mercedes Thunder Rosa final. I mean, dude, come on, you you know how fucking good that match would be. Pretty, pretty damn good. Mercedes Willow too. You know, like, dude, come on. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, that's kind of it for for our Continental Classic deep dive. If you want, we had to get a little fantasy booking in there because we can't help ourselves. Um, so we are going to jump into the rest of the results for our show. And uh, we got some Ring of Honor, Dynamite, Rampage. So, what do we got this week on uh, on some Ring of Con? Uh, episode 44. Uh, we had a little recap of the uh, tag titles being stolen by some masked men, which was the most compelling segment of all time. It was narrated by Ian, though, so it sounded good. Um, we got the rundown of the card for the show. Nyla Rose took on Alejandra Leon. Leon? I'm not sure how personal Leon? I, it might have been lion. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. I think I, I've written as lion, so it might have been like spelled differently, pronounced that way. That's usually how I go for it. It's a phonetic, uh, so I pronounce it right. But I, I probably fucked it up anyway. Yeah, now, now let's just beat people up on Ring of Honor right now. I assume she's gonna be uh, in that. In that, I mean, I did we did we get the names for? We got we got like a, a segment where they some people threw their names in the hat, but we got like a couple of them. So I yeah, we, we are gonna get, get like a graphic. Names. Yeah, they'll they'll break it down for us probably on the next Ring of Honor. I'm guessing this was only an hour show. They gave us like some names. I'll, I I'm pretty sure I wrote them down. Yeah, I did. I did. It's a couple segments from now. But uh, this is actually something I do want to touch on because pre- we had pretty Peter Avalon here again, which obviously we've, I've been saying he's he's been a good you know addition to Ring of Honor as well recently. Um, but we had Zach Knight, Soraya's brother, debuting here on Ring of Honor, and um, I was really excited to see what this guy did because. All I know him from is the trailer for Fighting With My Family. That's literally all I know him from, and for being Soraya's brother, obviously, I mean, part of the Knight family. Um, but I I don't know much about him. So what I liked, what I did see from him, he does seem to have a, a pretty good, like, that uh, wrestling base underneath him. So, and he was selling well, and he has a pretty good finisher. So I, I'm interested. If this guy wants to be a regular in Ring of Honor, and he's going to need challengers, so, you know, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we got that segment I was talking about where the women talked about the Women's TV Championship, which I'm so excited about, by the way. I don't care if anybody thinks it's faded that AEW keeps adding titles. Give me more. Give me what I want. More! Um, we had Billy in this. We had Kira Hogan. We had Rachel. We had Layla and Lady Frost all saying they want a shot at this title. Um. We'll probably see everybody that's not tied up with Billy and Athena right now. I mean, Billy's obviously this as well, but like, who's not tied up with them in, or somebody else in a story? Um, I'm surprised we didn't see badass Latinas in this. They might be in it, or one of them might be. Um, they seem to be doing something else, though. We'll get to that. Uh, the Iron Savages took on the Von Erics and Bounty Hunter Brownie, Bounty Hunter Brian Keith, which that's, that's an interesting tag. I, I wonder if they're going to keep doing that one. 
Um, I'm, I keep saying this about when they're on Ring of Honor every week now. I hope the Von Erics actually choose to work with AEW and Ring of Honor. I don't know if they're under contract. I don't know what the deal is. Um, I hope they don't just like, you know, like, uh, like dip and go to WWE or something like that. That'd be kind of sad, but, um, yeah, at least we get them for a little bit. But, uh, I still like what I'm seeing from them and I still don't care about the Iron Savages. Their theme um, just makes me happy. The Von Erics. Yeah, I like it. It, it, it tickles the fancy. It's pretty good. It makes me want to watch that movie when it, when it becomes available on digital. You know what I mean? The Iron Claw. Uh, Lexi interviewed the uh, the baby boys because we don't have an actual tag team name for them. You know, uh, uh, Cole Carter and uh, and Griff Garrison. Who the fuck is Griff Garrison? Anyway, um, and uh, we made a they made a match with uh, Angelico. Sorry, Angelico and um. And uh, Serpentico for for next week on uh, Ring of Honor. So I like that we're setting up matches sometimes a week in advance. Now it feels like an actual wrestling show. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had Lady Frost, Kira Hogan, and Trisha Dora taking on Taya Valkyrie and the Renegades. So that is a. What do you think of that yes. trio? I am so fucking da- dude. I I love love the Renegades. They're and great. I like I them mean, being even tied even up, Kira tied Frost and Adora. They work together. That 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 group worked as well. I, I like that a lot of the, and this is what I think is so versatile about the Ring of Honor Women's Division and why they can carry two titles in the same way that the AW Women's Division can, is that, and maybe even better to some extent, not that I think the TBS title is in any bad state. We got Julie Hart as champion right now, and she's doing great, but um, I think they'll be able to do some more interesting stuff with it just because of the amount of talent they have. One of the Renegades could be that champion at some point, you know what I mean? And it would not, it would not hurt either of them at all. No, give, give me Charlotte as champion. Send it? I mean, hey, listen. Uh, anything's possible um lady frost has an it factor that i can't describe to you though that's why she almost ended up in my in my continental classic because i don't know what it is but she has something man i don't know i think she could be a huge star in the ring of honor women's division and maybe even on AEW, depending on what they want to do all right charlie i've been asking for this for a long time no more fucking group training finally Tony Nese is, is is getting rid of it. We're finally getting regular Tony Nese, just premier athlete shit. Good shit. I like it. Um, he beat him with a pump handle driver. Tony Nese is fucking back. Let's go. He's pissed. We had Vert Vixen back on for the first time in a little while. Um, fellow Twitch streamer, Vert Vixen. Uh, actual gamer. Taking on Billy Starks here. Um, these are two that I want. If you're if you're like on like women women's division watch and Ring of Honor, these are two to watch in the coming year. I mean, you've already seen what you have from Billy in the main event that she had with with uh, excuse me with uh, Athena on the last Ring of Honor pay per view. Uh, but Vert Vixen, I think they said it during this match. Had things gone differently, Vert Vixen could have been in the same spot that Billy was. You know what I mean? Just if, if things had turned out differently, which I think is an interesting thing that when they point she out. Was matching up with Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. And she looked just as big and as strong. Yes, I think they could have catapulted that into something. It just they just decided wasn't to go the a right time. Direction, which yeah. is fine, you know. But I mean, that that let everyone know, like, yeah, she's legit. Ooh, okay. This next segment I actually really liked. Kyle Fletcher was being interviewed by, I believe it was by Lexi. I oh, yes. it written down. And he called himself yeah. the proto star of pro wrestling. Fucking what a what a gimmick. Um that's that's for those of you who don't know, that's a star being born. <laughs> that's fucking incredible. Anyway, uh he got challenged though by Willie Mack. That's gonna be a fucking banger if they don't just have Willie get buried instantly. 
So that that's a great first challenger for uh, for Kyle, I think. We had, and then we have our main event, which is Johnny TV taking on Ethan Page. I actually didn't write much down about this match. I'm sure it was actually good because they're both two big buff dudes that are actually good wrestlers. Um, but I'll tell you what I wrote in my notes, which is I was waiting for Dalton because <laughs> he he yep. got interfered with by by Johnny TV in uh, in his uh, you know survival of fittest, and uh, so I was expecting the return, uh, the receipt, if you will, and uh, the look of satisfaction on Dalton's face after he cost him this match. That was that fucking oh. shot was so money, dude. Oh my World god, class. Class was so entertaining. Bro was oh, on the yeah. show for three seconds and was the most entertaining thing on the show. How crazy is that? Like, honestly, it's it's uh, it just shows up, dude. He's so fucking special, man. And that takes us to dynamite. Yeah, where we've covered eighty percent of the show because um, the show was just that good. God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So dynamite. Um. You guys know, we opened with the triple threat. Awesome, awesome shit. Post-triple threat, Tony Schiavone's backstage with Swerve and Prince Nana, who's frustrated following the loss. Swerve said he wanted this so badly. Ten Little Classics is breathing, li- breathing life back into the wrestling business. He brings up Keith Lee, wanting to pay him a visit tonight. Said he's not busy on Saturday. Lee is there tonight, in case he missed Sw- Swerve. There's a contract for, him for a match at World's End. I was hey. pretty excited. I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, we're hey. finally getting the payoff. It, it makes sense. Nope, we had that. We all know how that goes. So they show the match guard list or the match graphic and all that. So Renee's on stage. She welcomes Mariah May. Her theme sounds straight out of like uh, fucking stardom. I dig it. Yes. She's asking her why she attacked Rehill last week. Said she did not. Su- she did so to support Tony Storm, which we should all be doing. <laughs> she felt like 2023 didn't have enough glamour. So the first dynamite of 2024 will be her in ring debut. 2024 will be the year of Mariah. She got some booze from the, uh, got some booze. Rio's music hit. The chase to the ring was on. May begged off as Tony Storm, uh, ran to the ring. She tried to attack her. Rio dodged. Luther saved Storm from a tiger fate kick. Rio dropped them both of the crossbody to the floor. May checked on Storm. And she was, uh, distraught as she was upstaged. I see a lot of people saying, uh, Mariah May's first match being Rio would make a lot of sense. Riho is advertised for Japan that day. So, don't see that happening. Sounds like Riho is already back in Japan. Which, bro, what if they pull the ultimate move and it's just fucking Mercedes and she just gets fucking ganked? Like, just geeked. <laughs> yes. Nah, you know what? We gotta get, it's, it, there's only one answer. And it's the only person that can keep up with her fucking physicality. Dude, it's Emi Sakura. This is the easiest yeah, booking no, decision the they've ever fucking decision. had. They probably fucking wrestled before. Let's be honest. Like, give them literally, and I'm not kidding. Give them fucking twelve, thirteen minutes. Let it be a fucking showcase. Put it on at nine on the dot because mother, they can fucking go, dude. Let them open the second hour. This is the easy. If it's not Emi Sakura, in my head, I'm going to believe it's because Emmy can't make the match. That's the only reason. If not, it's Emmy. Motherfuckers. This is the easiest decision ever. Top Flight and Action Hydretti are backstage. No, that's Hydretti. Hydretti. They aren't taking their loss to the acclaim that daddy asked the heart, but they want to keep going. Uh, before they can make their open challenge, Orange Cassidy, he saunters in. And you know what, guys? I haven't played this yet, but uh, we got a new soundbite. Fucking or- Orange Cassidy's here. Trent and Rocky, they accept the match for Rampage. Uh, Rocky said, don't worry about it, Cassidy. 
He did the same thing to him last week. Andretti says they'll be ready. And then he fucking super chugs a water bottle that popped Taz, because of course it did. And, uh, yeah, he did it also in the Battle Royale. So this is going to become a spot. A video package for Miro and Andrade. Oh my god. If there was ever a segment I wanted to skip, it's this one. Don Callis Family Boxing Week celebration. This was not going well. They're just, they're glazing up and I, I, uh, Bro, how, uh, so the the big story in this segment, Sammy Guevara comes back and he calls Don Callis on his shit so hard that it made me realize how bad the group actually really is. It, like they they buried the group themselves, and it was that's a decision. I think that it indicates that it's not going to last that much longer. It killed the group. You don't recover from this. This is the pinnacle losing in their first match. Like second match whatever but this is the pinnacle losing they never recovered this is john cena pinning the shield two on one in in the in the survivor series you don't recover from this the group's dead and again and you know what pisses me off is because hobbs looks like a fucking geek yet again standing in this stupid fucking group when he should just be on his own bro hobbs got the shittest luck in pro wrestling i i hate it it's the worst because he's actually really talented like god damn it he looks fucking stupid again. And that poster he get he got was fucking stupid. Do you remember a those months, King? Charlie? Wait, granted, yeah. that he was losing all the matches, but where he would do those incredible video segments where he would be out in the streets and they'd be like cleaning up blood and shit dude, like that. Dude, when he was cleaning mean? up blood and then he fucking walked to the camera and folded his book. Like, dude. Dude. <sighs> I don't know. Replace fucking... Let him be Swerve's fucking guy instead of Brian Cage, maybe. Maybe we'll go somewhere. I don't know. Clearly, they don't trust him on his own, so I would just put him on his own. But uh, Yeah, the Guevara shit was awful. Um, yeah. Jericho came out. They're reuniting. None of us care. No one cares. Uh, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom are in the back showing off the bulletin board. This is actually pretty funny. And uh, all signs pointed at MJF as the devil. Strong promises to expose Max. And uh, it, it was pretty... They definitely took on that meme. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The fucking... Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the guy from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I think. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. We had the beautiful match of Kingston and Danielson. Um, there were some uh, post-match shenanigans, just kind of, you know, giving us some hype to the uh, match on Saturday. Okay. Lexi's backstage with Christian Cage and Nick and Shayna Wayne. Cage is furious that he was sitting back here all night waiting for Copeland, who ran in and atten- attacked Nick Wayne. Started balling with Cage before security showed up. Copeland had no problem going through them. The brawl with Cage spilled into the hall. Other wrestlers had to separate him. Copeland was breaking free from the group to get in a few more shots. He's yelling at Cage. Is his. Cage is saying Copeland was a coward. You're a trend cloak and a coward and a craven. Sky Blue defeated Chris Statlander. If you guys were wondering how where Sky Blue's stock is at compared to a year ago, she's beating Chris Statlander. So Sky Blue is uh has definitely turned a page. And honestly, she could be in the tournament too. And I'd be perfectly down. Honestly, the fact that neither of us had her, because she's like again, Daniel Garcia, you know, if you want to have yeah. a young person in the tournament, you know. 
Um, Julia Hart wasn't in either of our tournaments either. I don't think was she. No, nope, yeah. I didn't even have her on the honorary. So there you go. Yeah. So, uh, she won with the uh, cheeky Nando's kick or uh, followed. She hit the cheeky Nando's. Won with the Avalanche go blue. Beautiful finish. Um, yeah, she uh, was attacking Statlander, and Julia Hart was delivering a side clothesline to the neck. She slapped on a dragon sleeper. Willow ran out. Probably a uh. 2v2 match on collision, I'm guessing. Maybe this upcoming week. Be fine. I think everyone involved will be happy. Renee's backstage with Ruby Soho and Sarea. Uh, interrupted to tell her she has a good birthday present for Sarea. First for Soho. Harley Cameron walks in. So, uh, QTV is, as you can tell, is dead and everyone's trying to go their separate ways. And yet again, Aaron Solo is just fucking fucked. Yeah, Aaron Solo, joiner of groups that go nowhere. Honestly, do you think we ever see him again in AEW? He could be one of those ones that they let his contract run out. I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. yeah. If I'm him, I'm pitching. Dude, let me go do something in Ring of Honor. Let me show people I can I can wrestle again. I think he'd be a great asset to Ring of Honor because he's a good enough wrestler. You know what I mean? But yeah, he just he hasn't go. been given the opportunity to show what he can do. Griff Garrison was in a similar spot to him like a year or two ago, and he's he's a regular in Ring of Honor. Let, let some of these people cook in Ring of Honor. She's a good helper. She'll do anything. She's good with her hands. Soho said. So she hears before getting a phone call from Angelo Parker. She walks off. Paquette asks how this partnership with Saray and Cameron happened as Cameron brought out the butcher's knife and Saray had to calm her down. Interesting. Uh, the Devil's Henchmen defeat MJF for the ROH tag titles. As we know now, the Devil's Henchmen is uh, the kingdom. Actually, this went from what the fuck in three days to Hey, the Kingdom of Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Let's fucking go. <laughs> so, literally, the mood uh, was shifted, to say the least. M- uh, Samoa Joe had been, you know, the devil talked to Samoa Joe, so he turned on MJF, which ended up resulting in Samoa Joe becoming world champion. Which, if you didn't hear our thoughts from our World's End post show, needless to say, we're both pretty fucking happy about that. That's going to be awesome. So, okay. AEW Rampage, New Year's New Year's Smash Edition. I have nothing uh, to say about this. I'm hitting a pineapple. Pineapple, yeah. Jericho and Sammy uh, reunite the sex gods. They get the fucking uh, the match on the pay per view. No one cares. Jericho's in the mud. Sammy Guevara's had more turns than Big Show. No one cares, unfortunately, because. Sammy Guevara, if you guys can remember from my awards last year, was my uh, most underrated wrestler. I still think the kid can go in the ring, man. But, wow. I gotta, I wonder if anyone's, you know, feels like reaching out. What do you think of this Don Callis family storyline? Are you as down in it as we are? Genuinely, I, I am curious. Just let us know. Um, Renee's backstage with Danny Garcia and Matt Menard. I thought this was pretty good. And uh, they ended up, uh, yeah. So they're they're gonna get their beat down on, or they're uh, they're gonna get their get back on the House of Black. Ruby defeats Marina Shafir. Um, I, again, I think Ruby picking up victories is very important. Uh, Harley Cameron showed off already why she's the distraction, and she helped Ruby get the win. Don Cal's family cut their promo. Ray interviews Willow and Chris, and they pretty much set up a friendly for the pay-per-view, which I thought was kind of cool. 
Really, you defeated Matt Seidel to retain the ROH Pure Championship. I don't think we need ROH Pure Championship matches on Rampage. I thought we've moved past this. Yeah, it's weird. It should be on Ring of Honor. What are we doing? It should be on Ring of Honor. It's the easiest fucking thing in the world to do. Yet, I don't know. Can't have our champions on Ring of Honor. I think the whole point of this is just to set up the hook match, which upon it was already announced. So I, 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 the match was fine. It was fine. It wasn't anything special, but it was fine. Um, I like that they're referring to Danhausen as ROH legend. So it's pretty funny. Uh, we get a, t- a video package of Smojo fuck, fucking over MJF, and our main event match again. Action Andretti and Top Flight. They are on absolute fucking tear right now. They carried the acclaimed and daddy ass on that collision match. We didn't have a show that week, but oh my god, that match is not not going great. And uh, these three, they fucking get it. These should be our trio's champions right now. The fact that they just beat Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero, and Trent Beretta, I think that's uh, a glimpse into the future. I'll tell you what. I certainly hope so. Dante Martin has a match for the championship uh, tomorrow. No, he could win that 1,000%. Tomorrow, today, whenever you're viewing this show. Dante Martin's going for this international championship. On our post show, we talked about this. Even though he's one of our pillars and he's one of our boys, so we're slightly biased, it's still Orange Cassidy. We love Orange Cassidy. I'm down with Dante winning this match, man. Like, you want to fucking inject some goddamn heat into this let's get a random title change on a dynamite for a match that no one's really expecting and you know what let's start 2024 off a lot different than 2023 started off for dante with his broken freaking legs whatever the hell happened you know so yeah guys i think that's it for us um looking forward to this upcoming week dante versus orange mariah may's debut and then FTR versus the uh, House I'm, of Black. I'm looking on forward to Mercedes Monet's debut that Dave Meltzer predicted. Yep, Dave Meltz. Uh, uh, yeah, Brian Alvarez even said he'd be shocked if she wasn't on this Wednesday. So usually, if they're getting that concrete info, unless they're being fed complete horse monkey, you know, it uh, should be pretty good. Um, other than that, Cody Rhodes is going to have to wait till uh, WrestleMania 48 to finish his story. And yeah, we will, guys, our award show is dropping tomorrow. It's before Dynamite. If if you've listened to the show on Tuesday, first of all, you fucking rock. Second of all, check out the award show tomorrow, man. The award show might already be out depending on when you're listening to this. So uh, that's a lot of fun. So Wardlow, you know, you're the newest member of uh, the mid-card mafia. Take us home, buddy. Thanks again, everyone, for checking out this show, and we'll see you tomorrow.